Our Lord, in the Gospel and in the Epistle, warns us of a deadly sin that can cost us our eternal salvation. And it's the sin of a sloth, laziness, which in a spiritual context is called asedia, sedia asedia. St. Thomas Aquinas tells us that asedia is sorrow or sadness for spiritual good. It is a vice, not a virtue, but a vice, that sees spiritual goods as toilsome, troublesome, and a hindrance to pleasure and bodily comfort. It is, St. Thomas says, an evil sadness, as opposed to the spiritual joy that is a fruit of the Holy Ghost and that comes of generosity in the love of God. Generous souls experience joy in the service they render to God. Slothful souls experience only sadness and sorrow. Sadness and sorrow to be interpreted or understood as disgust. So asedia is disgust for spiritual things. And this disgust leads a soul to perform his spiritual duties negligently. To shorten them or to omit them completely under vain pretexts. And the, the spiritual writers say asedia is the cause of tepidity, lukewarmness. We all know what God thinks of lukewarm souls. This is what he thinks. He's told us in the Apocalypse, addressing uh, St. John, addressing Christ's words to one of the seven churches of Asia. Because thou art lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will begin to vomit thee out of my mouth. That was actually addressed to the bishop of that particular church. So Isaidia stems from an inordinate desire for ease, convenience, and pleasure, which, if not checked, results in the soul seeking to gratify its own will rather than God's will. And you have in that sentence the whole philosophy of education. The education we seek to impart to children in particular. They must learn to place God's will where they're manifested in divine revelation, where they're manifested through natural law, through common sense, reasonableness, they must put all of that before their own will. Because unfortunately, since original sin, our own will does always seek ease, convenience, and pleasure. The pursuit of spiritual goods requires effort and perseverance before they can be enjoyed. And such effort can only be deployed if the soul is in love with God and really does will his dominion over them. 
over it. Regardless of how successful the soul is in the pursuit or maintenance of virtue. So to be in love with God is not always to serve God to the best of our abilities. Unfortunately, we are poor sinners. But it's to want to serve God to the best of our abilities. It's to want him to triumph over it. It's to want to be his good and faithful servant. That's the sign of love for God. Tepid souls, they're too anchored in their own comforts to wish for spiritual progress. They've never, never really thought about any sort of friendship with God at all. They content themselves with the minimum and they forget the ancient maxim, he who does not rise to God slides into evil. We have to always progress in the spiritual life. And that maxim applies even to those who are far on their journey to God, to intimacy with God. You always have to be moving forward lest you begin to slide backwards. There's no stationary position on, on, on the journey to Christian perfection. The most telling sign of acedia is repugnance for prayer. Now, prayer in itself is rarely attractive because it's difficult. But for tepid souls, they, they feel no attraction to prayer at all. They don't even wish to become prayerful souls. They never think of prayer ever. All souls experience difficulties in prayer. It's the part and parcel of that spiritual journey to greater fervor and charity, to, to Christian perfection, that we must all um, uh, partake of. We must all travel to travel along. So there will always be difficulties in prayer. Prayer will always be dry, or often dry, often full of distraction. But the sign of a good soul is that it perseveres in prayer. And it understands that the times we give to prayer, and to prayerful reading, they're times that we give to God. So who cares about any pleasure we might experience? All the fatigue we do experience, it's God's time, it's not our own. But the tepid soul does not see the point in prayer at all. And is quite content with the fulfillment of the minimal obligations laid on us by Mother Church. In other words, Sunday Mass. That's the sum total of a tepid soul, soul's um, experience of its Christian vocation. Fulfillment of its duties as a member of this mystical body. I go to Mass on Sunday. I go to Mass. Well, the dog that some people bring to the church, there's nobody to look after the dog. They can't leave it at home, so they bring it to church. The dog stays in the car, but that dog can also be said to be coming to Mass. 
Of course, the rosary, the rosary, the rosary, uh, oh yes, uh, sometimes, which means never. St. Gregory the Great, he says that Asedia eventually transforms, mutates from being a weakness of soul to a malice of soul, which manifests itself in bitterness to one's neighbour, lack of courage in the face of duty, discouragement, spiritual torpor, distraction, forgetfulness of spiritual duties, dissipation, and at last, the seeking of forbidden things. Which means that mortal sin is the lot of the tepid soul. Mortal sin easily avoidable. And the tragedy is that unable to move themselves away from the source of their sin through lack of will, they have flabby wills that are only capable of moving towards ease, comfort and convenience. Because they have no strength of will, tepid souls accommodate themselves to sin, to mortal sin. And such are those souls who, while perhaps attending Mass, like the dog in the car, they live habitually in the state of mortal sin and do not think too much about it. At least the dog is not in the state of mortal sin. So in that sense, is is more worthy to come to church. Well, our Lord, that's what he's telling us in uh, both in the Epistle and the Gospel, our Lord is looking for fervor. The labourers of the first hour, they murmured because they were not being paid enough. They were calculating souls. They were not working out of love of God, love of their master, love of the vineyard, love of the privilege to be in that vineyard, to have been hired by the master. They were working for personal gain. They tempered their efforts and thought their work sufficient for the agreed price of a silver piece. And they complained of the burden of the heat, the burden of the day and the heat, But they were capable of more. They dragged their feet in the service of their master. As the workers of the 11th hour showed, in one hour these covered more ground than the the, the workers of the first and the third hour. So that's why perhaps they were paid the same amount. Perhaps the master had lined up some, uh, two or three silver pieces for those who had spent uh, 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 more time in the vineyard. But they were working for their own gain. Their ease and convenience was, was, was their watchword. Not too much, just enough. And there are indeed some souls who cover more ground in a very short space of time than others in a lifetime. So the remedy for Asadia lies in the strengthening of the will. You can't go to heaven with a weak will. You just can't. 
To think you can is to deny original sin. So we must resist the desire for pleasure, ease, comfort, and distraction. And this is St. Thomas and St. Gregory the Great talking here. We must first apply our minds to heavenly things. Spiritual reading, prayer, and Eucharistic adoration. Visits to the Blessed Sacrament. We have a church, we now have to use it. So we have to apply our minds to heavenly things. And then we have to apply our will to those things that are repugnant to us. Namely, penance, sacrifice, abstinence from legitimate pleasures. So St. Paul uses throughout his epistles the image of an athlete. We, an athlete has to train. And if an athlete doesn't train and the athlete becomes flabby, off balance, useless for the sport. So we have to train and we have to run. We have to run, um, and it's wonderful what St. Paul says, we have to run, but we're running in a race where we know we can win. We've been told we can win. It's a wonderful race, the race of our salvation. And uh, there are many winners who want to win. So all we have to do is to want. So little by little, with, with some, some, some um, uh, prayer and reading and, and penance, our repugnance to the spiritual will recede and we will begin to experience joy in the pursuit of the things of the soul. And they will become easier. There's a snowball effect. There's no other remedy which is why the church gives us the allotted time of penance that we call Lent. And we are now in preparation for Lent. And the church understands her children very, very well, which is why um, um, she's decided, I need to give them three weeks to get used to the idea, which is why the priest is already in purple. Because too many of us, by the time we hit Leitari Sunday, four Sundays into Lent, we're thinking, oh, I, I must start, I must decide what I'm doing this Lent for my penance. <coughs> so, my dear brethren, let's take care not to be as the labourers of the early morning, becoming, with the passage of time, nonchalant in God's service, lest we be overtaken by souls more worthy. Traditional Catholics can and do go to hell. And so coming to this church is no guarantee of salvation. Listening to me is no guarantee of salvation. <clears throat> Those fixed on the hope of one day loving and serving our Lord and our Lady as they should be served, those are the souls that are on the path of salvation, regardless of the sins they commit, because those sins they confess readily. The tepid soul does not confess readily, if at all. So, my dear brethren, my dear brethren let's take these, uh, these, uh, uh, this warning of, of Mother Church uh, uh, to heart and examine ourselves. Lent uh, really does have to be a time of, of, of preparation for Easter. Uh -huh. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.